Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There was only one person whose life would be sinless. There was only one person who would be fully God and fully man. There was and only has ever been one way to God for salvation. Jesus knew that you and I couldn't get to God. So he came. Ignore the attempts of this world which tell you there are multiple ways to heaven, multiple sources of happiness, and that it's all relative to you. Today, Pastor Mark will teach, according to God's word, that there is only one way which we might be saved, Jesus. Jesus came and fulfilled everything required of him in order to deliver you and I from eternal separation from God. He was fully God and fully man, lived a perfect, sinless life, and sacrificed himself for us that we might have eternal life. Do you believe these truths today? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Delivered to be the Deliverer. God designed me to be in a personal relationship with him. That's the number one purpose in my life. If I don't come to that, I spend eternity in hell. If I come to that, then life seems all of a sudden to make sense. That, it's not religion. It's not church. God created us to know him, to worship him, to obey him, to serve him, to enjoy him. But our sin blocks that purpose. Our sin blocks that relationship. So everything in life is a dead end without God. Everything you try is a dead end without God. In Romans chapter 7, which you see... It relates to something that you and I think about a lot. Look at it. You could, there's times you can say this. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. You see, the answer to your emptiness is not a church. It's not a program. It's not power, possessions, pleasure, or position. The answer to man's sin problem, man's emptiness, is Jesus Christ. When we turn our life over to God, and the only way I can do that, the only way to God is through sinless Jesus, all of a sudden life has meaning and purpose. You see, God did that because he loves you. 
His love was greater than you and I can ever imagine. Do you know today that God is for you? He's not against you. God looks down and he forgives us. He directs us. He, he, he wants to be intimately involved in our life. How do I know God loves us? Romans 5 says this, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for our sins. So the number one thing that Jesus came to do was to show us how to have a relationship with God. Here's the second thing he did. He showed us how to have a life that pleased God. When we watch Jesus, we watch him over and over again, saying to his followers, you got to be like God. Well, they didn't understand how to do that. So he'd begin to show them how to do that. You see, he wasn't just interested in people growing physically and growing mentally. They needed to grow spiritually. That's what we call everyone today, a Christ follower. We're growing. Write these three areas down for me this morning. And I want to challenge you a little bit. This is what should be happening in your life. You're growing taller. You're growing more wise. But notice these three keys right here. Christ follower, be like Jesus, think like Jesus, and minister like Jesus. Let's talk about those for a moment. Salvation is not enough. It proves that we are saved, but we're to be conformed to be like him. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus walked this earth, he would say to his disciples, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. See, he, he set aside his divinity, and he depended on that relationship with God. And he had a perfect relationship with God because he was sinless. Well, that's what God wants for you. He, want, he doesn't want you, for you just to have this little fire insurance to go to heaven, but he wants you to make an impact on this earth. Look at that. Let's put that up again. Look at these first three things. To be like Jesus. What does to be like Jesus mean? It means character. Character. Not perfect but character. Second, he wants me to think like him. Now, how do I think like God? This is God's mind to you. Well, I wonder what God thinks about it. Just open it. Well, I wonder what God thinks about me uh, cheating on my income tax. Open it. I wonder what God thinks about me sleeping with somebody before I get married. Open it. I wonder what God thinks about me saying to my Aunt Mary, I can't stand your guts. Open it. <laughs> How should I treat my husband and wife? Open it. Every question you have about life is here. This is God's mind to you. Number three, look at it. To minister like Jesus. How many of you out there are, are breathing today? Let me, let me see your hand. Let me breathe it. All right, now some of you didn't raise your hand, so I, I've noticed you. you get, get your elbows out, get ready. I want you to pop somebody right next to you. Everybody, come on, get your elbows out, pop them right next to you. Get them, wake them up. Now how many of you are breathing? Let me see your hand, that's a little better. Good, very good. Vera, 12 of you woke up, that's good. Now, why did I say that? If you're a Christ follower and you're breathing, God has a purpose for you. I told you this story about Jesus when he was 12. And he was teaching the religious teachers. When Mary and Joseph got back, they said, what are you doing? And he told them, 
And then he said this, I must be about my father's business. When I get up this morning, I added something to the teaching this weekend. Are you, right now, about your father's business? Are you using your life and your giftings that Romans 12 says every one of us has? Are you, are you using your life and your gifting to be about the Father's business? Or are you about your own business and God's on the sideline? One day Jesus, and we'll talk more about it on Christmas Eve night. One day Jesus was at a well with a woman. And the disciples, while he was talking with this Samaritan woman, went into town and they were getting the Big Mac special with the biggie fries and the drink. And they, they ate and they brought it all back. And they said to Jesus, man, we've been gone a long time. Like the line was crazy. The drive through was blocked. And we, here, here's, your, here's your food. And Jesus said to them in John 4, my food is to do the will of the Father. You see, we love food. How many know you love food? We really love food this time of the year, don't we? It brings satisfaction. We're eating everything we can. And of course, in January, we buy the exercise bike and all those kind of things. And in February, we hang our clothes on the exercise bike because we'll never use that again. (laughs) Been there, haven't we? What was Jesus saying? Was Jesus saying he didn't like food? No, Jesus was saying this, my purpose, my satisfaction, my fulfillment, I love food, but it comes from doing the will of God. If you ever grow into maturity in your walk with God, you will understand this principle, doing the will of God brings to your life three things. I want you to write them. You see them right here. It starts with celebration. Does celebration sound strange to you in church? Who's the one in the Bible that said, I came to give you life and live it to the max? Was that Satan? No, that was Jesus. Celebrate. Let's see if you can say celebrate with a with a smile on your face this morning. Here we go. One, two, three. Celebrate. By the way, that night, that night, when the angels began singing to those lowly shepherds, what did they say? Joy to the world. That's to you and to me. See, outside this church, people think it's all dead in here. Is it dead in here? No, No, except for the guy in the third seat there. It's not dead in here. (laughs) It's it's full of what? Joy, excitement, celebration. Live the exciting lifestyle. When Jesus was trying to say to his disciples who were tied up into religion, look, serve God. Find the purpose for God. Celebrate life while you're here. It won't be perfect. There'll be a lot of stuff. I'm going through all kinds of stuff, but my satisfaction comes from doing God's will. Write this down. Three things. Doing the will of God, number one, 
it sustains us. It fulfills us. And it refreshes us. People say, well, yeah, that's you, Pastor Mark. All the pastors love that, and Pastor Dean, and, and Pastor Bo, and Dave, and Pastor Norm. You get that satisfaction because that's what God made you to do. Oh, you're exactly right. But I got that satisfaction serving God many years when I was not a pastor. I just was a teacher in a church. I was a director of pharmacy for 25 years. I, I was a father. I, I, I was a husband. I love God. I was far from perfect, just like I am today. But I got my satisfaction by doing the will of God. You see, many of you in 2009, you, you had on your plate, you were going to be an usher. You were going to help in first impressions. You were going to be in the parking lot. You were going to help with kids. You were going to use your gift. You were going to get in the choir. You were going to get in the music. You were going to get in a small group. For sure, you were going to get in a small group. And we're about 10 days or 12 days or whatever from 2010, and nothing has changed. Well, I want to say to you today, good intentions are useless. Start thinking how you can get past the thinking stage to the ministering stage. Because the minute you do, you become fulfilled. If you don't, 2010 will go the same way, and you'll remain empty because you're outside the purpose of God. God didn't come to have you come to church once a week, even late, and celebrate, and then the rest of the week do your thing. No, no, no. Jesus said, my food is to the will, the will of God. So what was the purpose of Jesus' life? Three things, write it down quickly. Number one, to direct people to God. He said, here's how you can get to God. You come through me. Here's how to get to God. Number two, here's how you live an obedient lifestyle. You just live it. And number three, the way you live, we can't do this when we head toward it. We're supposed to be holy. Jesus was sinless. He was sinless. Now turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter Five. Look down at verse 21. We have already discovered the purpose of his birth, the purpose of his life. What is the purpose of his death? Here it is. As I said to you, many people believe that Jesus was a sinner. That's incorrect. We see it again. Notice verse 21. God made him who had how much sin? no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus knew his purpose was to go to the cross all along. In fact, Jesus would say in Matthew 20, 28, I've come to give my life as a ransom for many. In other words, I've come to pay the fee for your sins. Well, what would that fee be? His death. Notice Galatians chapter 1. I have it on the overhead for you. It says this in verse 3 and 4. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us. That's a, that's a message of Christmas. To rescue us. The plan of God for sinful mankind is in that verse. He gave himself. Fully God, fully man, 
sinless, so that he could rescue you and he could rescue me. You see, what happened was Jesus died for our sins on the cross, not for his sins, for our sins, because he was sinless. I want you to turn to one more passage, and that's all I'm going to ask you to turn to. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Go down, if you will, to verse 12. Some of you ladies have been shopping recently, and uh, some of you guys like cars. And you you find this car, and somebody's redone the whole car, and and you love it because you know that if you take it to a car show, there won't be another one like it. And you ladies have found this great dress, and you come home and say to your husband, it's, it's one of a kind. And then you go to the party, and seven people have one of a kind. And the guy drives the car in, and somebody else has an identical car. There, like, ah, I thought it was one of a kind. Look at me. Jesus was one of a kind. In this verse, there's a lot of people today that say this verse is wrong. In our pluralistic society, People say this, there's lots of ways to God. That's eternally wrong. Notice what Peter says in Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. There was only one person whose life would be sinless. There was only one person who would be fully God and fully man. There was and only has ever been One way to God for salvation. Jesus knew that you and I couldn't get to God. So he came and he died for you and me. I want you to write this last thing this morning. What was the purpose of Jesus' death? The same as his birth. To deliver people from their sins. I want you to think about this. Last few words from Max Lucado. Listen. You wonder how long my love will last? Find your answer on a splintered cross on a craggy hill. Jesus says this. That's me you see up there. Your maker. Your God. Nail stabbed and bleeding. And I want you to listen to these words. I don't want anybody moving. I want you to listen to these words. Covered in spit and sin soaked. Covered in sin and sin soaked. That really spoke to me this week. You see, on that cross... Max Lucado continues, it's your sin I'm feeling. It's your death I'm dying. It's your resurrection I'm living. That's how much I love you. You see, on the cross was the great exchange. It was your sin soaking him. He who knew no sin became sin for that blood was being shed my sin was soaking him from head to toe so was yours the wages of sin it's death you know my wife and i used to watch a 
crazy program called Monk. Twelve years at the beginning of this program, Monk was a detective. His wife was murdered. And he spent 12 years trying to figure out what happened. Never could come to it. Well, toward the end, the day that his wife was murdered, she gave Monk a little gift. And he always kept it in the house, unopened, to remember her by. Well, for some reason, 12 years later, he, he opened the gift. And as he opened the gift, there was a cassette tape. And she said this, if you hear this, you know I've been murdered. And here's the person that did it. He was 12 years trying to find the person, and the solution was in an unopened gift. I want you to see this verse. It's in Ephesians. It's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by your works, so that no one can boast. Let me share with you the story of Christmas. 2,000 years ago, a baby was born to a virgin. He was born sinless. He lived sinless his whole life. On the cross, my sin, your sin, was placed on him. He died. Three days later, he was resurrected. He offered man a gift. But man today says, no, I can get to God by being good enough. But the Bible says, good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. And so on the cross, Jesus established a gift for you and for me. But you have to open the gift and receive the grace and the forgiveness. It's free. It's already been paid for. Oh, I know about it, Mark. That's a great gift. Have you ever received it? See, that's the problem. The gift sat, and there was no solution. The minute he opened the gift, everything was solved. The gift is there. It's for you. It's free. It's already been paid for by your sins soaking Jesus. But you have to receive it, and then you have to begin following him. Good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Mark spoke about the purpose-filled life and death of Jesus. Can you say that there's purpose in your life today? God has a purpose for your life, and it's found in a personal relationship with Him. Doing His will provides us a reason to celebrate as it sustains, fulfills, and refreshes us. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Light eliminates darkness. Throughout Scripture, Jesus is described as the light of the world, seeking to eliminate darkness. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will teach listeners that you're either walking in the light or walking in darkness. Following yourself in Satan's lies will only lead to spiritual blindness. Following God, who is truth, will lead you to spiritual insight and ultimately heaven. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting